0: Obviously, you guys, if you're new to Cornerstone, I am not Pastor Jody. Although very good looking, I am not Pastor Jody. Um, He, uh, as you guys can relate or have seen, uh, the fact that we have a son today is is a big celebration here in Rome. But unfortunately, as many places, some of those that live out near Lake Weiss have dealt with that flooding has been a problem and unfortunately, flooding has hit the haggerty home, and they, their house got flooded again. so we're just encourage you guys to pray for them um, as they walk through this. But as we just talked about, but God, God 's going to take this situation and turn it around for good um, it 's hard to think that way in the middle of it, but God. So just continue to pray for them as they uh, fa- unfortunately face this um, not very fun experience. So, Pastor Jody, I texted him. I said, do you mind if I share this today? And his exact words were to me, yeah, no, that's fine. He goes, wish I was at the beach instead. So, the edge of the water that he's at today is not the edge of the water that he really wants to be at. Um, so, again, just continue to pray for them. So, how many of you guys have uh, seen the movie Up? Well, that was a lot more people than I thought. Um, how many know who Doug is? One of my favorite parts of that whole whole movie is when the older guy and I don't remember their names; they're not important. And the little guy, come, the, the, the Doug comes up to him and starts talking, and they're mesmerized by the fact that Doug has a voice and he's talking, and he's like, "My name is Doug," and da da da, and then Squirrel, and he just school his his attention goes off. Now, how many can relate to that experience? How many of you guys have been? Hey, I need to check the weather, and you get on your phone and and check out what's going on instagram and oh hey look at that i got a new email and hey and then you put your phone away and hey i need to check that email or check my weather again i you know you don't even do what you started off doing we get distracted thing other things get our attention and we all deal with that we all have things that captivate our attention from what we should be uh be focusing in on you know i remember when i was younger my kids i remember Specifically, having to, you know, I get down on their level and be like, "Focus! No, 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 no. Eyes here! No, come! No, 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 no. Stop! Right, right here! I better look right here. Look right, right here. Focus. We need to talk about such and such. Always trying to get their attention because they're they're just like like Doug. They're like, hey, a piece of dust just flowed by. You know, whatever it might be. And that's that's how honestly that's how we are. We easily things." Captivate our attention away from what we need to be focusing on what what we need to draw our attention to another way of actually saying that is um, What are we worshiping when we give our attention too much to one thing we ultimately are worshiping it Worship defined In a simple definition is what we trust in the most um What we look to deliver us, our source of hope. And what captivates your attention would be another way of saying it. So today we're going to read um, about Israel, the Israelites. You know, from a historical side, they had been in Egypt for hundreds of years and lived a pretty tough life. Um, Being a slave to somebody, can't even imagine what that would be like. Uh, not being able to choose what you want to do. You're being told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Um, not an enjoyable experience. But that, 400 years in uh, excuse me, in Egypt, so they get out, miraculously get led out by Moses. And they're sitting there in, in the wilderness, and Moses goes up on the hill to commune with God. And uh, ultimately, they start to panic a little bit. It's taking longer than they expect, you know. But really what it comes down to, the wilderness was tough because their hearts were not turned to the Lord. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 32 and kind of pick up in verse 1. I actually hear pages turning, which I've never heard that before, so I'm not used to that. I've, I'll admit uh, on Sundays I tend to be a, grab my phone, flip it uh, open to the Bible app and... Uh, so it's kind of nice to hear pages. I actually brought a Bible, too, today. I thought it would make me look more important, like I know what I'm doing. So we're going to have it set there. I'm actually going to read out of it later, so it's not just sitting there. I know you guys are kind of impressed right now. Let's get back to Exodus chapter 32. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. You know, one of the side notes, just on verse 1 alone, is that it never quite, God never quite fits into our timetable. In fact, I would venture to say, I can't think of one time that God fit into the timetable that I wanted him to fit into. And he obviously isn't here with the Israelites. They expected him, Moses, to return in a certain period of time, and he hadn't. And I, and I like, it's interesting how they said it at the end. I says, we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. Like, ah, this guy Moses, who even, who, I barely remember his name. I mean, he's the one that just delivered them from Egypt. And they're like, yeah, this fellow Moses, we don't even know where he's at. And so Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and your sons and daughters and bring them to me. And all the people took the gold rings from the ears and, and brought them to Aaron. So Aaron's kind of like the, the executive pastor for Moses. That's like you guys coming to me and go, hey, Pastor Jody's not here today. Let's make an idol. And uh, not a good thing. And and what's worse is Aaron was like, Okay, that sounds like a really good idea. Give me all your gold. Um So all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And then Aaron took the gold and melted it down and molded it into a shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they explained, Oh, Israel, there is these are are the gods who brought us out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. And then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. And the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. They ultimately had a party. So they went from freaking out to, hey, let's have a party and celebrate this golden calf. Um, As far as they were concerned, Moses wasn't coming back, Okay. And so they're like, all right, let's have, let's have a party. So why, why a golden calf? What was it that caused them to captivate their attention to a golden calf? Well, I, I believe that the reason they, they pursued a golden calf or they made a golden calf is a result of it was the thing that they fear. And you're like, the thing that they feared? So they made something of it? Look back to some of the the gods of the Old Testament, and they, they they're ultimately gods that were the God of the sun, uh, God of fertility, the God of this, that uh, basically they would worship it with the goal of, hey, I need to have kids, so I'm going to worship this God of fertility. Or I, I need to have, I, I, I want to make sure that the crops grow, so I'm going to worship the sun God because I need the sun and the rain God. They would pursue things that they were afraid of, and the goal that helps that it would help them. And if you're out in the middle of the wilderness There isn't a Publix, a Walmart, or a Kroger nearby, and there's tons of other people. What's the one thing that you're going to be afraid of? You're going to be afraid that you don't have enough to eat. So they started, they made a golden calf. They basically were worshiping steak, which some of us might do that ourselves. That's another side note. We won't go there. But I believe you naturally worship what you fear the most. And and I believe Israel proved this. They They were fearful of starving. Now, what's interesting is in Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 through 11, it talks about the fact that they had just been in the presence of God. Forty days previously in that chapter, they'd been in the presence of God. It says that they ate dinner with him. And then fast forward 40 days, they're like, who's Moses? Who's God? Now, the interesting part is it was Moses. It was Aaron. Aaron. The guy that said, hey, this is a good idea. Let's make a golden calf. Aaron's sons, 70 of the elders, ate with God and were in his presence. Let me put it another way. The creator of all creation, the creator of the world, they were in his presence with him eating dinner, and they chose to say, you know, who is that guy? You know, we're we're not worried about it. We're going to build a golden calf. You know, every single day we naturally have the opportunities to, to embrace those fears. You know, the, the Scripture has tons of Scripture about um, not fear, not being afraid of things, to, to, to not fear. I mean, I, 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 I didn't have them put it up on the, uh, on the screen, but I've got tons of Scriptures. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Psalms 56 verse 3 says, But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Psalms 115.11 says, All who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is your helper and your shield. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Psalms 118.6 says, The Lord is for me, I will have no fear. 1 Peter 5 says, Give all your worries and cares to God. Psalm three four says, I will not be afraid. There's a lot of scripture in there about being afraid and what to do with your fear. It's a lot of scripture, and I only touched on a handful of them. I've probably got about 20, 15, 20 verses right here that talk about fear. God doesn't want us to fear because he doesn't want us to experience what the Israelites experienced. He doesn't want us to be easily captivated away uh, from that. Um, I believe there are three fears I summed them up in three fears that we all face. We all have have them in our life every single day. But the question is, in the midst of our fears, what are we going to put our attention to? Or what are we going to worship? Are we going to have most of our attention focused on the thing that we're most afraid of or concerned about? Or are we going to have our attention on God and what his word says, regardless of what we're experiencing? And the first fear is the fear of rejection. Now, we've all experienced the fear of rejection. I mean, you know, I, I think back to elementary days where you, your goal is just wanting to be everybody's friend. You want to be friends with people. And, and you kind of do almost anything to be their friend. Like, you know, the class clown. Like, hey, you know, men are particularly susceptible to this. Like, hey, I dare you. Dare you to just, okay. It, the error isn't a challenge. It's like a, it's an expectation uh, for a man. So fear of rejection. Love is the greatest need in our lives. Rejection is our greatest fear. Some of the greatest scars in our life are the scars of rejection in our past. Um, I think back to, um, gosh, it was, it was a while ago. The first position I was actually taking as a pastor, as an associate pastor in Pennsylvania, he had just moved there, left a the ministry that I'd been with for over six years to go to this place, and I had applied to get licensed through uh, to become a licensed pastor through um the ministry that i was a part of and i had a lot of faith in that ministry and and believed a lot of what that ministry was about and um that ministry i i'd moved to pennsylvania and i was i was waiting for that license in case you didn't know as a pastor we have to be licensed or ordained as required by the state so i was pursuing the licensing and um, I get a phone call from a friend of mine that works in that department, and he said, uh, man, I, I, I talked to the leader of the ministry, and he basically tell, told me that he wasn't ever going to license you. Now, grand scheme of things, not a big deal. I ended up getting my licensing through something else. But that was one of those rejection things that I got rejected. And it, wasn't, it, it took many years to kind of get past that wound. You start questioning, am I really good enough? Did God really call me? I'm not that good at that. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should just go back to what I used to do. Maybe I just need to go dig ditches in the rain, whatever it is. The reality is every one of us have experienced the fear of rejection, and every one of us has probably experienced rejection ourselves. But the question is, what happens when you experience that rejection? Do you... Try to overcompensate by I'm gonna I'm gonna get a better college education, or I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do that to make myself better, and it won't ever happen again. Or do you run to God and say, God, heal this wound in me? The second fear that I think all of us actually, let me before I even go to the second fear. One of the things about rejection is one of our primary needs as an individual is acceptance. Um, Our desires, we want to be accepted. But there's only one true being that will ever truly accept us unconditionally, without any requirements, without any expectations, and that's God. If everybody knew what you as an individual have done, what you as an individual have thought, what you as an individual have even said under your breath, if we all knew that, we would look at each other in a different light. If you all looked at me and thought... He's not a bad guy. Let me tell you, I've thought some things, and I've thought, where did that thought come from? And I'd be embarrassed for people to know what I've thought. But our God knows every thought you've ever thought. And he said, he, she is worth it. I'm going to send my son. They are worth every bit of blood that was shed. Now that should cover over every bit of rejection that we have, if when we think of it that way. The second uh, fear that we experience is the fear of failure. Um, failure causes us to worship success. We pursue money. We pursue titles. We pursue positions. I don't. I, I know I've done that. I've gotten jobs, and my goal is, well, I want to be in this next level. And when you get that level, that's not good enough. I want to be in that next level. We pursue jobs of, hey, you know what, that job's going to be better. Now, there's nothing wrong with pursuing a position, and there's nothing wrong with pursuing a job that pays well, because the, the, the scripture says, you're worthy, a workman's worthy of his hire. You, you most definitely should be pursuing to better yourself and to better your family. But is that your focus? Is that what you're afraid that, I'm not going to have enough money? You think about, I've heard the, the stories of of millionaires who have all this money, and yet they won't let a dime of it go, and they're like, I need more, I need more, I need more. The reality is the happiest people are the people that aren't focused on what they have in the bank account. The happiest people are the people that are focused on what's around them. So what are you pursuing? What, do you, what, what fear of failure do you have? Because all of us have a fear of failure. I mean, I just talked about that uh, I felt rejected from the, that, that one ministry and, I, and I, f- I felt fear that someone's going to ask me a question about the Bible that I'm not going to know. And let me just tell you, there are a lot of things I don't know about the Bible. And I will not hesitate to say, I don't know that answer. I might, I'll try to find it out, but there's a lot of things in the Bible. And I've had to come to the conclusion that, that I'm not called by my level of knowledge. I'm called because God has said, You are who, who I've, I've asked to do. You're a willing vessel. Matt whispered in my ear a minute ago, He said, God's about a willing vessel. It's not about me as an individual. It's about being willing to do what God's called me to do. And that's the most important thing. So the fear of failure. Do you worship that? Do you pursue, hey, I'm going to make myself better, get a better education, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, instead of pursuing God? Again, pursuing an education is not the issue. It's do you put your trust in that college degree? Because that college degree isn't going to hurt the wounds that you have. But God is. He, he will. The third fear, I think, is the fear of death. Uh, the closer you get to God, the less you fear death. Um, Paul said, for me to live as Christ, uh, for, uh, to excuse me, for, I'm probably butchering this, but for me to live as Christ, for me is to, to die is gain. Ultimately, he wasn't afraid of death. He wasn't afraid of, kill me, I'm going to go to be a Jesus. You don't kill me, I'm going to continue talking about Jesus. You can always tell your proximity to God by the peace in your life. And you can always tell your distance From God by the fear in your life. In fact, I'm going to read that to you again. Just think about that. You can always tell your proximity or how close you are to God by the peace in your life. And you can always tell your distance from God by the fear in your life. If you're fearful about, is this job going to end? And and that's your entire focus is like what you're afraid of. Is my business going to be going to make it through this economy? Is is this or that? Or are my kids going to stay um, following Jesus? And I, and I pursue that and I pursue that. And what about my kids? And what about this? What about that? You have to say, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to have to take that fear that we all have. And I'm going to have to take it to God and worship him and, make, and put our attention on him. Because he says he's going to take care of those things. Um, you know, every phobia at, at, the, at, at its base of every phobia is death. You know, someone would say, "No, I'm I'm just afraid of flying." Well, no, you're you're ultimately afraid that plane's gonna fall out of the sky and you're gonna die. Um, I'm afraid of snakes. I'm not I'm not scared of dying. I'm just scared of snakes. Now, look, I, I can I can relate to that. I'm not a big fan of snakes. Um, but really, what we're afraid of is we're afraid we're gonna get bit and then we're gonna die. So, <laughs> our fear of death. That if you've got a phobia, most likely. You're afraid that ultimately you're going to die as a result of that phobia, whatever it is, okay? The enemy wants us to fear death, so we won't, um, so we, we won't do what God has called you to do. That's really the, the, the motivation. Why God, or excuse me, why the enemy brings fear into our life and focuses uh, his attention on fear is because he doesn't want you to focus on what God's called you to do. The reality is all of us have a, have a purpose, every single one of us. In fact, um, I'm jumping around in my notes just a little bit, but it'll be worth it. I have a, uh, God's created us with a significant purpose that only you can fulfill. We recently did, um, as a staff, it's actually several years ago, we did um, the, um, help me out, the Strengths Finders, thank you. We did a Strengths Finders. Apparently, remembering is not one of my top strengths right now. <laughs> Um, and so I was reading a, a, a marriage book by Jimmy Evans, and he has a, a guy that's a finders coach be a part of it. And in that conversation, they talked about the, the probability of your top five. There's 34, but of your top five strengths, that there's only like, and I'm going to butcher the numbers, but you get the idea, like two, 100 to 200 people that have the exact same top five strengths in the order that you have them in the world. Okay, you add two more strengths into it and then there's nobody like you of those top seven. But there are 34 strengths. So why do I bring that up? God's created you specifically the way he wanted you to be so that only you can accomplish what God's called you to do. And you have a specific purpose. okay? And and this isn't even in my notes and I'm just sharing it because I think it's important that you are designed to be where you're at and that. And that on a a side note, just like a GPS, no matter where you're at, God can recalculate. You you might have to go an extra block around the block, but it doesn't matter. He can recalculate, and you can be redeemed from whatever you've done in the past. The blood of Christ covers over that, and that that you have a specific call that only you can answer. And that's a fascinating thing to me, that that, that when I learned that there's so many different characteristics uh, in the Bible, I'm like, wow. It, it's kind of mind-blowing to me. but So back to kind of what we were talking about. The Israelites in a time of trouble went to a golden calf, something other than God. So what is your golden calf? What are you going to in your time of trouble? When things at work aren't going well, do you just say, I'm going to work more hours, I'm going to work more hours? Or do you say, you know what, the reality is, right here is God. This is where I need to be. I need to pursue him first. And then I need to follow up my spouse, and pursue my spouse. And if you're not married, then it would jump down to then your job. But God's got to be number one. But as for, for my life, God's going to be number one. My spouse is going to be number two. My kids are going to be number three. And then my my ministry is going to be below that. So, so, and this is not meant in a bad way, but the things at this church, I'm more successful at what I do when God's first, my wife's second, my kids are third, and then this ministry comes after that. When I get it topsy-turvy and the ministry's first, then I'm out of whack and the, the advice I give you is bad. And the, the I snap and I'm short-tempered and, and I say things I shouldn't say. But when God's first, the fears all fall into order and that they're below him. And because he's got all the answers. So the question is, what are you looking at in your time of trouble? One of the things that I'm trying to draw your attention to is that when you go to... When you focus on the one thing that you focus on, or as we've said, the thing that you worship, we're looking to that to help us out. Whether it's, again, whatever it might be, what is your attention going to? What are you worshiping? Well, Psalms 23... I think is one of the best descriptions of what happens when you worship and pursue God, when your attention is on God. So Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. That scripture ultimately saying is that he's a full-service God. He takes care of every detail. Psalms 37, and I'm just going to jump over there if I can do it. 37, verse 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Now, that I find fascinating, that every detail. You know, Pastor Cheris talked a little bit about the daily reading and about Leviticus. And this week, we were in a, a staff meeting, and, and uh, uh, Sandra Broom brought up the point. She's talking about Leviticus, and we're all talking about, you know, hey, look, let's be honest with you, it, it's painful sometimes reading through Leviticus. And from a guy that's kind of a, okay, I don't really care about, pus, and I don't care about what to do on washing a white wall, and, you know, th- this does not affect me. That's why we have Kills paint, so we can paint over all that stuff, you know. Um, it doesn't really affect me, but one of the things that Sandra said, and I, it just kind of rocked my world, and let me really think about it, is we realize that when you read Leviticus, that our God's a God of details. He's down into the minutia of details, and that's what we want in a God. We want a God that takes care of every last detail in our life. Verse 2 says, he lets me rest in green meadows. Actually, I think it says in the King James, it says, he makes me rest in the green meadows. And I think as a result of, that, there's a lot of times that, that that we we face the, oh my gosh, I've got this to do, and I've got this to do, and I've got this to do. And God's going, no, 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 no stop, stop, stop. Lay down. No, sh- stop talking. Sh- lay down. And he wants us to rest. Because when we rest in him, the second part of that verse kicks in he leads me beside peaceful streams how many need peace i need peace okay that's really important he got, he guides me along the right paths um excuse me verse three i jumped the jumped the line he renews my strength the king james version says soul uh the passion version says he restores and revives my life how many need your life revived he guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name We all want to know that we're walking down the right path. We don't want to make mistakes. No one does that on purpose. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. I don't know about you. I've walked through some pretty dark valleys, and I've been pretty afraid at times. But he's telling us that when when you're pursuing him and you're worshiping him, I'm going to be right there with you in those darkest valleys. And then it says, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me rod means fatherly correction. Now we all want to be corrected when we're making a mistake. We don't want to pursue the wrong avenue and keep going. We want to get corrected so we can do the right thing and be like, "Oh, I didn't realize that was wrong." The staff is fatherly direction. We want to know that we're walking down the right path. We want to hear God's voice. When we worship him, that's when we hear it. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. In the Old Testament, they talk about anointing with oil. Part of the purpose was to say, "Hey, this person is 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 special. This person's royalty. This person's a, a minister of the gospel. This person's the king. They're going we're gonna anoint them." Well, what that's saying is that you have a purpose, like we just talked about. You have a purpose. My cup overflows with blessing, always enough. God's a God that says that I'm going to meet every need that you have. I'm going to take care of it. We've all had those situations where we don't have enough in my wallet or in my bank account, but, but God, like we said earlier, but God. And he answers it. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. I don't know about you. I need his goodness and his unfailing love, that his love never fails. All the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Why did I take all that time to read that, verse, that, that chapter? Well, ultimately because I think we need to renew our mind that when I worship the king, when I worship him, when I go, when, 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 we'll use Pastor Jody as an example right now. When my house is flooded and I've got a foot of water in my basement or in in the lower part of my house, do I say, I've got to do this, 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 and this? Or do we trust God to say, God, you're going to redeem this? And I know my pastor's heart that he's going to do that. That He's going to say, God, your word says this, I'm, I'm, I'm ankle deep or I'm knee deep in water right now, but your word says that you turn things that the enemy means for harm and turn it around for good. And that's what he does. I don't care what it is that you're facing. I'm 100% convinced there's nothing you could do to ever tell, convince me differently that when we worship God on a daily basis and we spend time with him on a daily basis, that that is where the answers that we need come from. One of the reasons we started pursuing encouraging you guys to read the Bible every day is because this has far more answers than I've got. This has far more answers than what you've got in your brain. This has every answer that you may face. It doesn't tell you you need to come off one step, this step, this step. It tells you and gives you peace and that passes all understanding. It guides you in the direction that you need to go. I encourage you, if you have not started reading your Bible daily Find a chapter i don 't care if it I would start if you if you can 't do the all those you 're saying it 's too much to read then then you start picking from that daily reading read something from the New Testament at the very minimum, but read it daily daily's where life change happens daily. Satan always puts giants where your promised land is, so fear keeps us from where he wants us. He wants us to be distracted. Matthew chapter six. Verses 31 through 34 says, Don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This morning, um, Beth, Bailey shared a, 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 a basically a message that she'd gotten from Pastor Terrace. It's a long round a roundabout, but ultimately Craig Rochelle and they're going to put that up. But it says, "Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God." I think it's a pretty appropriate thing. Never let that storm cause you to look towards what you're afraid of. Take that storm and. Look at the presence of God because he's there with you. Psalms chapter 23 just talked about us, talked about it. Um, We're going to, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head right now. Um, The thing that I want to do is that I'm sure in a room of this size, there's a lot of people that might be facing anxiety, fears of the things of the unknown, fear of whatever it might be. In fact, I've talked to probably three or four people in the past week that have talked about They've had tremendous amounts of anxiety and never had dealt with anxiety. Uh, One of our close friends, she's in her 50s or 60s. I can't remember exactly where. She's never had anxiety in her life, but she's been been uh, under anxiety lately. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that stress does funny things. goes under the fact that there's a reason why God told us to take a Sabbath. But whether you're facing anxiety, I just want you, with everybody's eyes closed, I just want you to raise your hand real quick if you're struggling with anxieties or fear or something. And we're going to pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are a God of peace. We just talked about that in multiple different scriptures where you are the God that gives us peace that we don't understand. Peace that doesn't make any sense but you give us peace. And I just speak peace over each and every one of these people, Father God, those that have raised their hand, those that may not have. We just speak peace in their life, Father God. I pray that they will be drawn closer to you, that you are the answer, that you give the answer for them, that as they worship you, as they focus their attention on you, that that's where the peace is going to come from. And I just thank you for that, Father.